Well, today we're going to be looking at um, the topic of temptation. As we look at the continue this uh, series in uh, Fault Lines, a book that was written by Steve Deneff, uh, it touches on different areas in our life that we need to take a look at that could be an area that we not necessarily would love to stay in, but maybe need to remain in so that God can grow us and God can teach us. And so... Um, We've gone through these last few Sundays learning about what it means to stay within that fault line in our life, uh, the, the fault line of conflict that we talked about last Sunday. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the fault line of temptation. And you might not think that temptation is an area where you'd really want to stay in, but it's, it's something that I think we'll get a different perspective on um, as we continue on with the service today. But temptation is all around us, and uh, it confronts us at work, it confronts us at home, it confronts us everywhere else, and we are tempted to, to lie, to, to slack off, to cheat, to commit sexual sins, to, uh, to boast, to, to defraud, to uh, commit prejudice, and, and, and many other countless, countless ways. But where does, where does this temptation come from? <laughs> and, and also, too, why are we so vulnerable to temptation? And how can we overcome this temptation? A lot of questions that I'm sure come up when you think about temptation. And so what I'd like to do is uh, uh, make some following observations uh, that hopefully will answer these significant questions and some others possibly uh, about temptation. Observations about temptation and what that looks like. Um, and hopefully we can come away from this uh, maybe ready to and, and equipped to be able to take on what God has for us in, the, in those situations. So first of all, let me share some observations about temptations. I'm going to use some scripture in different places here. So uh, you, you'll just have to maybe write it down or, or if you're a good uh, uh, sword driller, be able to get through the scriptures and find that scripture. That's great. But anyway... Uh, some observations about temptation. First of all, there is a tempter. There is a tempter, and you know him, his name, Satan, the devil. And uh, he tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden, and uh, she, she just caved in when that happened. N not, to, not to say that women just cave in. Eve caved in to Satan and uh, what he had for her there. He planted doubt in her mind. Uh, then he twisted God's words and finally contradicted what God had said to her earlier, both of them actually. And then later, Eve persuades Adam to join in with her in the sinning. And uh, you can read all about that in Genesis chapter 3. And contrary to what some people think, God does not tempt anyone. Just take a look at James chapter 1, verse 13 reminds us of that. God will take us and he will test us. There will be trials that will come our way. But he never tempts us. That is only reserved for Satan. Because Satan wants to tempt us to, to cause us to fall, to stumble, and to not follow God anymore. So that's, that's Satan's job, to tempt us. God's job through, through this is to test us and uh, to build us up stronger. Another observation about temptation is that there is a non-exempt status. <laughs> A non-exempt status. Having the Holy Spirit within us as, as we've received Jesus Christ as our Savior and we have the Holy Spirit within us, that does not exempt us from temptation. 
Temptation is going to come our way. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. If you read back in Scripture in Luke chapter 4, Jesus was filled with the Spirit, but he was also tempted by the devil. So he was not exempt either. And although the Spirit used Paul, Paul in a mighty way, Paul confessed that he did what he did, not what he did not want to do in that confusing portion of Scripture in Romans 7, in verses 14 through 19. And the things he did, he didn't want to do. The things he should do, he didn't do. He was in turmoil. The Spirit will convict us, but we can ignore the conviction and we can quench the Holy Spirit, as 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 speaks of. We will never, we will never live free of temptation. That will never happen. That will always be with us, this side of heaven. <laughs> this will always be something that we'll have to deal with. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Temptation will come our way, and uh, we, need, we need to realize that. Also, another observation about temptation is that uh, there, is, uh, there is the world. There is the world. Now, I'm not talking about the God so loved the world, but there's the world as far as um, uh, the worldliness around us. The devil uses the evil world system to appeal to the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life that 1 John chapter 2 speaks of. Listen to verses 15 and 16. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. So it's that worldliness we need to be on guard with, but there is that in temptation. And some people think that worldliness is limited to the external behavior, you know, like the, the people we associate with. Don't hang out with wrong people, right? Or the places we go. Be careful the, the the wrong places that you might end up in. Or the activities we enjoy, the, the external behavior. But worldliness is, is also internal because it begins in the heart and is characterized by those three attitudes that were mentioned in 1 John chapter 2. The lust for physical pleasure. And that's where we are preoccupied with gratifying our physical desires. Then there's the lust for everything we see, lust of the eyes. That, that, that's the craving and accumulation of things, uh, and it, basically bowing down to the God of materialism. So we need to be on guard to that. And then, of course, the third uh, attitude is the pride in our possessions. And that's uh, an obsession that, uh, that, uh, with one's status or, 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 or importance, how important we can be with other people. It's interesting to note that when the serpent tempted Eve, he tempted her in those three areas. And also, too, when the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness, same thing. Those same three areas were his attack method. So it's very interesting to keep that in mind, that those three areas, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, those will be the areas that Satan usually comes by and tempts us in. So keep on guard with that. But there is the world. And by contrast to that, God values self-control, uh, a spirit of generosity, as well as a, a commitment to humble service. Totally different 
from those three things that were mentioned about the world. And while it is possible to give the impression of avoiding worldly pleasures while still holding, uh, holding on to worldly attitudes in, in, in a person's heart, it is also possible, like Jesus, to love sinners and spend time with them while maintaining a commitment to the values of God's kingdom. Be among them, but not be of them. Still continue to hold, hold true to the values of, uh, of what God has in his kingdom. And so the question would be for all of us, this point is that what values are most important to you? What values are most important to you? Do, you, do your actions reflect the world's values or do they reflect God's values? So there is the world. Uh, that's another observation about temptation. Then another thing, another observation about temptation is that there is, there's an escape. There's an escape. God provides a way of escape. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So we can never say, the devil made me do it. <laughs> a way of escape is available. We have a way out. Let me share some observations about the devil's temptation of Jesus. I think it will give us, give us some good insight as well. First of all, there's... Whenever there's exhaustion in our lives, that's usually something that Satan likes to use. Uh, exhaustion is usually involved in the devil's temptation. He tempted Jesus when he was physically exhausted and hungry. Jesus had eaten nothing for 40 days when the devil tempted him in Luke chapter 4, verse 2. Often, often the devil uh, assaults us when we are weak and he often assaults us at our weakest point. I believe we need to be aware of that, because where we are weak in those areas, we need to make sure that we're on guard. And uh, when we are exhausted in our lives, in those areas of our lives, we need to get rest. <laughs> we need to rest up. We need to fortify. We need to make it stronger. Doing that is something that doesn't involve our efforts only. We are responsible for what we can do, but we ultimately need to trust in what God can do in those situations in our lives, in building us up, making us strong. In his book, uh, Fault Line, Steve Deneff voices agreement with a Vatican report that the top three sins for men are sex, which is lust, substance abuse, which would be gluttony, uh, and shirking responsibility, which could be called slothfulness. Those three areas. For women, and this again is a Vatican report they, of people confessing sins and all. For women, the top three sins are condescending, uh, or a condescending or critical spirit, which would be pride. Uh, jealousy, which can also be envy. And bitterness, which can be anger. <laughs> any of these sins, any of these sins... Um, can spring up from the weakest parts of our nature. If we're, if we're tired, we might have a bad attitude. We can get short-tempered. We get angry at people quicker. 
if we are exhausted physically and we, we have no defense system going up and uh, guys, whatever is put before our eyes, we, we, we just don't look away when we probably should. Um, those things happen. And the, any of these sins may spring up from the weakest parts of our nature. And so we need to give that over to God. We need to allow God to be able to work in our lives to strengthen those, those areas, to make those weaker parts stronger. Uh, then another observation about the devil's temptation of Jesus is the physical desires. Uh, the devil tried to get Jesus to give in to physical desire instead of trusting God to provide what he needed. And, you know, we also, too, fall into that situation as well. We think we can take care of it ourselves when we don't really trust in God to be able to provide in the time that he's going to provide it in. The devil suggested Jesus turn a stone into bread in Luke chapter 4, verse 3. He tempted Jesus to receive the kingdom in, in exchange for worshiping him, verses 5 through 7. This exchange would have involved the necessity of Jesus' bypassing the cross, which would mean trouble for us. <laughs> uh, we, our redemption would be gone. And then the devil further tempted Jesus to show off the divine power that Jesus had by leaping from the highest point of the temple and allowing angels to catch him. Now, sure, he could have done all these things, but that's not what was needed. That's not what needed to happen. And if he were to do that, he would have fulfilled his physical desires in this. He didn't, wouldn't have to go to the cross. He, he would have been able to feed himself in this 40-day this fast. Physical desires, the devil encourages, in temptation, the devil encourages us to fulfill those physical desires on our own. Whereas we need to leave room for God to provide in those areas. Another observation let me share uh, uh, this about Jesus' victory over the devil and his temptations, which we need to pay attention close to because it's something that we can also follow as well. Jesus overcame temptation by using God's word. Now, we, we read through this portion of scripture in Matthew 4 as well as Luke 4, and we can see this, how, God, how, how Jesus used scripture to refute what the devil was doing. Jesus warded off each temptation by quoting and obeying Scripture. Not just quoting it, but also to obeying it. We also can overcome temptation and turn back the devil's assaults by using the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, described in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Something that we can keep in mind when we are trying to, uh, trying to get out of that temptation, trying to uh, guard against that making sure we don't fall and stumble in that. This, the psalmist assured us in Psalm 119, verse 11, that hiding the word of God in our hearts protects us against sin. So do you think it's worth your time maybe to memorize scripture? It might be. It might be. And then also another observation about Jesus' victory over the devil and temptation is that Jesus was refreshed spiritually following the temptation in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, we see that. And God, God must allow us to be tempted for our spiritual good. And you heard us. You heard me right. You heard me right. God must allow us to be tempted 
for our spiritual good. He draws near to us when we submit to him and we resist the devil and draw near to God. When we do that, then we have uh, an incredible opportunity to be able to um, have God teach us in those situations, protect us in those situations, and provide in those situations of temptation. Meeting temptation and overcoming it really actually prepares us for effective ministry. Just take a look at what happened to Jesus after, after the devil tried to tempt him. And once that, that, that third one, that third try from the devil uh, was refuted by Jesus, then we read in Luke chapter 4, verses, four uh, verses 14 through 19, that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The, stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yeah, that was preparation for Jesus and his ministry, and now is effective ministry beginning at that point. Let me also share with you some further observations about temptations with, with the help of Steve Deneff and his book, Fault Lines. First of all, you, you look at temptation and you see how Jesus dealt with it. You see what the Bible says about it. But then you just basically say, why? Why temptation? Why do we have that? It's kind of like the mosquito of theology. Why is that there? It's just so annoying. Is it good for anything? Uh, Stephen F. says, uh, We pray, lead us not into temptation, but then we read how Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. Why would someone who was filled with the Spirit <laughs> go into a place where he could lose it all? Why would that happen? It doesn't make sense. And uh, Stephen F. Uh, also says in his book, he says, Jesus went through every one of our circumstances to model what true humanity can do in each situation when infused with the Holy Spirit. He, the good news. Good news for those who are Christ followers, who have Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have the Holy Spirit within you. You have all that Jesus had. You have all the Holy Spirit the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And through that, you're able to do so many incredible things of, of, of uh, uh, working through temptation and, and avoiding what temptation can do to you. You have, you have the ability, <laughs> the ability to be victorious, basically. And so uh, Stephen F. is saying it's just incredible how Jesus went through each one of the, all these circumstances to model what true humanity can do in each situation when infused with the Holy Spirit. We've got the Holy Spirit, so we should be able to do the same, right? To avoid temptation. He says, when we see him overcome his temptations and even leverage them, we are seeing what we are capable of when we are full of the Holy Spirit. You know, I think it would be probably a good study that uh, figure out what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? 
and to look at the Bible as far as the different accounts of that happening. So why temptation? Well, you know, it shows that we are able to come through it as well, that Jesus did it. We can go through it as well and, and come out successful, uh, better for it. But, but what about the how of temptation? How does it happen? How does it come about? Um, you know, temptation to do evil often plays off as something good. It, it starts out that it's a good thing in our life, but then Satan likes to take that and just warp it a bit and tweak it. He did it to Eve. He did it to Eve with, you know, is that what God really meant? Is that what he really said? And, and he does the same thing with us. Temptation also raises the possibility that evil will result. And so we have the, the trip from temptation to sin, sometimes being a slippery slope that way. But uh, that raises our attention, and, 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 and we, we want to be cautious, be cautious with it, and we want to make sure we get out of it and, and watch out for those situations. But God has placed virtue in our hearts, and some temptations play off existing virtue. And so, you know, we, we, it's the good in us that we, we, want, to, we want to do good, and, and, and the Holy Spirit in us helping us do good. But some of those virtues in, that we are trying to live by, that, Satan just loves to take that and just twist it and, and convolute it and cause us to get tripped up. Stephen F. says, find your greatest virtue and you will likely find your biggest vice somewhere nearby. <laughs> he also says, too, we cannot control the offers he will make, the devil will make. We cannot even control all the impulses or tendencies he will use to hook us. But we can control whether we make the deal or not. And I love what he says here. He says, we may not always have free will because sometimes our options are limited. But we will always have free won't. <laughs> we have veto power. We have free will, but we also have free won't. We don't have to do it. We don't have to fall into temptation. He says, uh, uh, whenever we are tempted, there's always a brief, even, even if undetected, moment in between the involuntary desire for something and the voluntary movement to act on it. And he says, in that brief moment, is a space that determines our freedom and happiness. We must learn the habit of vetoing temptations as quickly as they come along or else they will take over. That's so true. If we allow temptation to linger a little bit longer, we don't make a decision against that temptation, it's going to eat us up alive. It's going to take us. Very interesting, though, that he talks about that. And it's very true what he says about those temptations. And so, so, so there's the question, why would, God, why would God subject Jesus and us as well to temptation in the first place? And how are we to overcome it? We usually see temptation as an assault on our righteousness. We're trying to live righteously, and then Satan wants to come along and trip us up with temptation, entice us into sin. When we are tempted, the question we keep asking is, how can I resist this? How can I avoid it? How can I, how can I uh, get away from it? How do I stop myself? <laughs> but again, we have to ask the question, 
that Stephen F. also asks in his book too, why did he make Jesus vulnerable to something that couldn't help him but could only hurt him? Why did God allow that to happen? Maybe, maybe, temptation is more than a test. Maybe temptation is a fault line. And that's where Stephen F. Uh, comes to in his book, in, uh, in, in, in the chapter on temptation. Maybe Jesus didn't just resist temptation. Maybe he leveraged, he leveraged it for something even greater. Maybe he leveraged it for something even greater. Stephen F. says, In temptation we are trained for places and things that God has commissioned us to do. And so our preparation occurs not only in spite of temptation, but in it. So it becomes a fault line. It becomes a place where there is, there is conflict, there is pressure, there is trouble, but there is teaching. And there is something beautiful in there that can be learned. And we can grow from it. Stephen F. says, perhaps we think God will separate us from all these distractions and the evil around us. And when he does, we will finally be holy. <laughs> Maybe we think that holiness means we are impervious to these things in our own little world. But in truth, we will never be in our own little world. Or if we are, we will not be much good for this one, which is very true. If we seclude ourselves so much... We, if we are so heavenly minded, we won't be any earthly good. We won't be able to allow people to approach us. We won't be able to um, mingle among those who need to hear the good news. <laughs> we need to make sure that we are uh, very good, good use for those in this, in, in this world to be able to be used by God. Stephen S. continues on. He says, being holy is about staying focused in the same world that everyone else is in, with the same distractions and tendencies everyone else has. The Holy Spirit doesn't give us magical powers to resist these things. No, we must learn to resist them, and there is no way to do that except to be in them. He says, perhaps this is why Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted. Maybe it's why we are led there as well. God is not hoping we will, we will fail. He is not even wondering if we will fail. He simply knows that since we can't eliminate every distraction, we will have to learn to stay focused instead. We will have to learn how to possess ourselves. If we can learn to say no deal to whatever is offered, we will gain the strength of whatever temptation we resist. So I believe that to be true as well too. We need to be focused among the distractions that are around us. And within those temptations, be so focused on God that those temptations have no hold on us. And so as we go through uh, our, our lives, our days and our lives, we need, to, we need to put that into practice. But there are some reasons for temptation. And I think something that we need to look at here, and, and I will conclude with, with this thought. The reason for temptation um, first of all, it, it's the evidence that there's something evil lurking within. The temptation kind of perks something up in us. And so we go, oh, wow, that would be nice to do, but maybe we shouldn't. And it identifies what might be in our lives that might be causing some problems. 
Um, it's also too, uh, uh, temptation is a contrast, uh, excuse me, a contest between two superpowers who meet to do battle over some place in our lives, as Stephen F. talks about in his book. Two superpowers battling it out as uh, temptation comes our way. And then also too, he says that the spirit, uh, the reason for temptation is the spirit leads us into our wilderness and calls us to reclaim that place in the power of Jesus' name. That wilderness that is all dry and dead, that wilderness where we can possibly fall and fail, uh, that's the place where we are called and the Holy Spirit, Jesus, comes to help us reclaim that place in the power of Jesus' name where new growth can happen. Basically, we need to take back the desert. We need to take back the wilderness in our lives. When people in the Bible went into the wilderness, it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> they were either driven there, they were left there, or on their way to somewhere else. It was usually against their wishes, and they got out of the wilderness as quick as possible. Nobody wanted to stay in the wilderness areas uh, in their traveling. Most references to the wilderness are negative, except for a few like when God promised to do something outrageous in the wilderness, as found in Isaiah chapter 32 and 35, as well as chapter 41 and 51. And probably Mike Grimm's uh, Sunday school class has been going over that a little bit as well. Stephen F. says, when the Spirit leads us into the wilderness to be tempted, he intends for us not just to resist the tempter. That's, that's one thing that needs to happen. Not only to resist the tempter, though, but to reclaim the wilderness for the glory of God. God does not want us to merely survive temptation. He plans to redeem it, to convert our wilderness into a garden and our wasteland into a highway of holiness. I love that. I love that. He wants, us, he wants to convert our wilderness into a garden and our wasteland into a highway of holiness. It reminds, us that, uh, reminds me of that worship song that uh, Brianna and Maddie have used a number of times before. Graves into gardens. God is in the business of turning what is dead back alive again. And that wilderness that's in your life can be changed into something new. Something uh, living. <laughs> but preparation is the key in taking back the desert. If we follow Jesus' example... Uh, he went in, in the power of the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 4. We also, too, should be ready and prepared to go into this with the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and we should study, like I mentioned before, study what it means to be fully uh, full of the Holy Spirit, to be anything but full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen F. says people who are full of the Holy Spirit have developed a pattern of yielding to his impulses and constraining their own until the power and virtue that flows out from them is not something they have manufactured, but something they have unleashed. <laughs> so it's something that just explodes, not something that's manufactured. Then we also see in Jesus' example that his identity prepared him as well. Luke chapter 3, verse 22, before the temptation happened, um, the Holy Spirit came upon him uh, in the form of a dove. And, uh, and then in, in uh, verse 22 of Luke chapter 3, it says, And a voice came from heaven, You are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. The identity that Jesus had. God loved him. God was pleased with him. Jesus was God's son. 
All those things. Identity prepared Jesus for this temptation. And we also, too, need to remember who we are in Christ. And sometimes we forget. We forget who we are in Christ. Uh, Stephen F. says, we do, we, we, we do not know who we are. And so we act like someone else. <laughs> and the person we imitate is always less than the person we really are. If we could only remember who we are and what is available to us because of our identity as a child of God, we would be more prone to act like it. Don't forget you are a child of God, dearly loved by him. As, we, as you go through temptation, if we remember our identity in Christ, we can battle. We can battle against that temptation. Take back that wilderness. And then also, too, of course, Jesus quoted scripture before the devil in temptation. I mentioned that already. But the thing about that, if you remember what I said, he not only quoted scripture, but he believed it. That's a key thing. When we quote scripture, we need to believe the scriptures that we quote in times of temptation. If we just recall a certain portion of scripture, but we, we really don't believe it, how effective is that going to really be? Stephen F. says, Scripture is not a lucky charm to keep the devil away. <laughs> Rather, it is a lens through which we see our lives in the world. It is a way of, of defining reality. The more we grasp the narrative, the wisdom, the penetrating truth of the Bible, the more easily we will see through the lies of temptation. So it's not just quoting Scripture only. It's believing it. It's living it out. Those things, coupled with all those others that uh, Jesus showed, an example of being able to defeat the devil and temptation, is what we also need to do in pre preparation um, and taking back the desert, taking back the wilderness. So, allow God to use the fault line of temptation in your life to, as Stephen F. says, convert your wilderness into a garden and your wasteland into a highway of holiness. If you find yourself in temptation, don't struggle against God. Allow him to take you through it, to give you victory. Allow him to convert that wilderness into a garden. And allow him to take that wasteland in your life and make it into a highway of holiness. He can do it. He can do it. This uh, song that uh, Chris and Annie are going to share next should be our prayer as we face temptations in our life. Drawing close to God should be one of our priorities that helps in dealing with temptation. So listen as Chris and Annie share the song, Draw Me Close to You.
Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Chris, for sharing. That was beautiful. Great to hear you guys singing again. And uh, we look forward to more, more songs like that when we come back together and uh, um, meet in the sanctuary together. But let me pray and, uh, and uh, just uh, thank the Lord for this time together and pray for you all as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for leading this time and speaking to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for the um, the instruction you've given us today about temptation and how it is a, it can be a fault line, as Steve Deneff talks about. And Lord, that you would help us realize that if we could stay in that moment, allowing God to take us in, take us through that that time, be able to use that that temptation to leverage leverage the ability to change that wilderness into a a, a garden again to change that, uh, that wasteland into a highway of holiness. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us realize that as we go through temptation, yes, we need to try to avoid them, sure, certainly, but, you know, the Holy Spirit led Jesus to a place where he was tempted. If we are led by you, Lord, help us not to resist. Help us, Lord, to rest in you, knowing that you, you, you have something special in this situation. Again, realizing that you don't tempt us you allow the, the devil to do his thing, but then you take that and you use it against him to be able to make us stronger, to be able to make graves into gardens. And Lord, thank you for that. I pray, Jesus, that if there's anyone here today that's going through temptations, Lord, that they would grasp on to that concept as well, to hold on tight to you, to realize that you got something special in this, 
And, and Lord, that, uh, that we need to uh, remember that you will bring us out of this situation stronger and better, better for it. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. And Lord, we, we just look forward to how you're going to use us this week. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.